Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for allowing me to share with you this evening. I pray that what the Lord has put in my heart will bless you in the sense that I may expound it correctly so that when we all leave this evening, we're blessed, rejuvenated, encouraged, and strengthened, that no one leave here disappointed and saddened, but rejuvenated and strengthened in your faith and in your walk and resolved to serve the Lord. Amen. In spite of everything that's going on in the world around us. Amen. But if you would join me in prayer uh, and continue to ask the Lord to be with us. Father, in the name of Jesus, just thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for such an awesome and great salvation that you've given us in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that our, name, that our names are now written in the book of heaven, written in the precious blood of the Lamb, and we know now that heaven is home for us. But until you call us home, Lord, you give us such an awesome privilege to be used by you and serving you, O oh God sharing the gospel, sharing the love of Jesus, and helping those, Father, that you put in our path. And so I pray, Father, that you be with us tonight, that Holy Spirit, you would minister to each and every one of us according to what your will and plan is for each of us individually. Even though we gather together corporately, you are with us individually. And I pray, O oh God, that you speak and minister to us, not only corporately, but individually, that you may be glorified in our lives in Jesus' name, and the saints of God said, Amen. Amen. I want to start with the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27. Chapter 1, verse 27. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27. And I'm going to emphasize a certain part of Philippians. I'm going to read Philippians, uh, I'm going to read verse 27 and 28 of chapter 1. But I want to emphasize this one statement or this one phrase that says, and that's going to be the theme of our study and the preaching and the teaching of the word tonight. This is the phrase that we're going to pray and concentrate upon. It says, Paul writing to the Philippian church, he says, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me read that, and then we're going to read verses 27 and 28. Paul emphasizes this, whatever happens, he's talking to the Philippian church, the Philippian believers, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, verse 27 and 28 go like this. He says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. Notice that he says, stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And by whom? And that by God. Amen? So, a little introduction here. We live in a day where sin in, in the world is not holding back 
and is not ashamed of proclaiming itself of where it stands. Amen? We live in a day where sin is, is not, it's not ashamed. It, it's going to do what it's supposed to do, and it's demonstrating and showing itself to us every day we see it in the news and, and everything. There's no longer any doubt what sin is doing to the lives of people. We see this in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's sin. There's nothing good about sin. It has no limitations. It has no parameters. It has no stop signs. When sin begins to do its work, it's everything. Everything. It takes everything. It doesn't stop midway and say, oh, I've only done so much, now I'm going to stop. Sin has no stop sign. It has no parameters. And that's so very important for you and I to think about. Because we're seeing this today in the world we live in. But look what it goes on to say in verse 10. That Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Praise God. And then we see a contrast. What sin does and what Jesus does. Sin comes and takes life. Jesus comes and he gives life. You see, sin has no parameters. It does not stop when someone compromises godly living, which includes our choices and decisions. Sin and what it is intended to do will not stop until everything it touches or influences is utterly ruined or destroyed. Amen. Are you with me? Jesus came to stop all that. We as believers are the vessels God wants to use to proclaim liberty, liberty to those who want, to those who want it, and even to those who do not want it, but will still have to hear it. Sin has influenced and compromised everything around us in this world. People, non-Christian and Christian alike, the morals, values, and beliefs, and it will not stop until the Lord comes back. Amen? Sin corrupts. We see it in the, in the non-Christian, and the unsaved. But if we're not careful as believers, sin will infiltrate, will infiltrate and corrupt our morals and our values if we're not grounded in the Word of God and who we believe in and why we believe the way we do. You see, there's two types of people in the world, right? Saved and unsaved. But in the local church, we're going to find three types of Christians. We're going to find three types of believers. The new Christian who just gave their life to Christ and, and they're struggling and they're walking and they're in love with Jesus, but they're not well grounded yet. Remember what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3 says? Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen? That's a new Christian. They're, they're beginning to walk the Christian life and they're in church and they're struggling and they stumble. But they get back up. That's number one. The second type of Christian is the growing Christian, the one who's been in church for a while, and, and they're learning now. They're, they're, they're beginning to apply, and, and their love for Jesus is growing. They're growing stronger in their walk and in their faith with Christ. And the third type of Christian, the third type of Christian is the mature believer. A believer who's been walking with the Lord for a certain amount of years, however long they may be, but they've grown, they've fallen in love with the Lord. 
and, and they know what's going on. Nothing catches them by surprise because they know who they are in Christ. No identity crisis. They know who they are and they study the word and so they understand what's going on around them. Amen? And to be honest, I think that's who I'm talking to tonight. Mature believers who know who they are. But you know what sometimes we need to be reminded sometimes. We need not a wake-up call, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Right? Sometimes we need to be reminded of, hey, don't get caught off guard. Don't be surprised. Remember in John 16, 33, Jesus said this. In John 16, 33, he says, in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So through his word, as we study the word, and as, and as we continue to fellowship with one another, and we're in the word, and we're in church, and we see things happening around us, we're not caught unawares. This verse, John 16, 33, is very important for us as believers. Look what he says. The Lord encourages with these words. He says, I have told you these things. I've shown you through the word so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world there is no peace. There's trouble, trials, tribulations. All kinds of things are going on. Even in Matthew 24, 24, it says, In the last days even the hearts of many will grow cold. And it says, look at John 20, uh, Matthew 24, 24 with me. Matthew 24, verse 24 says, For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. Isn't that something? Even if that were possible. For some of us who are strong in the Lord know who we are and all that. It's, in other words, the Lord reminds us not to take our salvation for granted. Not to take because we know who we are in Christ for granted. Because in the last days, things are going to be going on, right? Remember uh, when uh, people were saying, Jesus is over there and a group of people, there they go. No, he's over there and there they go. They're going all over the place trying to find Jesus. And for you and I as believers, we're going to be seeing that around us. We're going to be seeing that in the world we live in. But for you and I, we, we stay strong in him. We stay steadfast. We be not moved, for I am with you, says the Lord. You see, there's a there is a spiritual battle going on for the lives of those whom God has given life to. We must, as believers... Conduct ourselves as ready to be used of God in reaching the lost and teaching them how to live life for God. But our lives must first represent and exemplify what a believer looks like and how they are to live and conduct themselves. Amen? That's so very important. How can we tell someone about the Lord if they can't see a difference? Amen. Remember when the disciples were with Jesus and he got arrested? And, 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 and right away some of the people said, hey, hey, that's one of them. There's one of them. And what did he do? He started acting like the world so that they wouldn't persecute him. You and I as believers got to be careful because what the Lord wants to use you and I. Because you know what? There's no such thing as an insignificant believer in the body of Christ. 
I want you to hear this again. There is no such thing as an insignificant Christian in the body of Christ. We all, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Just because you're not standing up here doesn't mean you don't, God doesn't have a plan for you. Right there, you are important. Your sphere of influence. You're going to touch people that nobody else can. And are they going to see Jesus? And you know who I'm talking about? Your spouse, your friends, your family, those around you. You're going to have influence around people that nobody else can influence but you. And you and I must be ready. Are we conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, it's the little things. There's no such thing as an insignificant member in the body of Christ. There is no such thing as an insignificant act in the kingdom of God. Remember in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 40, when Jesus, remember when, when there was a sheep and the goats, and, and Jesus was saying, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. There's no such thing as an insignificant act in the kingdom of God. A little act of, of kindness, a little act of love carries a lot of weight in the kingdom of God. When I was hungry, you fed me. Un burrito, un taco, whatever it may be. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And remember, what did the people say? When did we do that for you, Lord? Sometimes our acts of kindness we forget about. But just like these disciples, just like these Christians, when they said, Lord, when did we do that to you? In the book of Matthew. And Jesus will say, Whatever you did unto the least of these, you did unto me, says the Lord. Wow. That's conduct. Conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Not just when people see us, but when nobody's looking. Isn't that awesome, brother and sister? Amen? We don't have to demonstrate nothing to no one. Just because we love the Lord, we'd be a blessing to someone. Praise God. The pressure is off. Amen? You see, this is why we're looking at this verse. It's very important for us to live by and share with other believers. What was the setting first, as, before we continue further? Paul was talking to, who was Paul talking to? And what was the situation at the time? Paul wrote to thank the Philippians for the gift they had sent to him and to strengthen these believers by showing them that true joy comes from Jesus Christ alone. Let me read that again. Paul wrote to thank the Philippians for the gift they had sent to him and to strengthen these believers by showing them that true joy comes from Jesus Christ alone. The Philippian church had sent a gift with Epaphroditus, one of their members, to be, deli to be delivered to Paul. That's in chapter 4, verse 18. Paul was in a Roman prison at the time. Can you imagine? He must have been singing... There is joy, there is joy. God, singing to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And remember, he starts laughing. Remember that song in children's church? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Ha, 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 and all that kind of stuff. In there. Anyway, that shows you how old I am. The Philippian church had sent a gift with Epaphroditus. Paul was in a Roman prison at the time. Yet he wrote this letter to thank them for their gift and to encourage them in their faith. 
while he was in prison, he was encouraging them in their faith. He had joy in his heart. You and I as believers, we have to be careful that we don't get caught up with, if everything's going good for me, I have joy in the heart. And if I'm struggling, then I'm going to demonstrate my sadness and disappointment. No! The joy of the Lord is our strength in whatever circumstance. Remember Paul wrote in Philippians 4.12, he had learned to be content in everything, in plenty or in want. Then verse 13 comes in. That's a verse we always like to memorize. Oh, the, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? But look at verse 12, the verse right before him. Paul was saying, in plenty and in want, when I have what I need, and then when I don't have what I need, I still have learned to be content, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why the importance of conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, whether we have or don't have. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. That's a very important example for you and I. He goes on to say, one of the key verses in the book of Philippians is in chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Man, that was Paul. Remember, he wrote this letter when he was in prison. He was in prison. Was he in the hole? Did he do something wrong? I don't know. But all, I, all it says is he was in prison. And he wrote this letter out of joy and thanksgiving. For you and I as believers, everything that we see going on around us, that it does, we have to be careful that it doesn't affect us to the point to where it begins to influence the way we conduct ourselves as Christians with one another and with the world around us. The world is looking for someone and something. And they're not finding it in the bars and in the clubs. They're not finding it in the drugs. There's an epidemic in our nation. I've been with Teen Challenge over 25 years. And as a pastor, five years, been a Christian over 30 years. But in Teen Challenge, especially now in the last couple of years, we're seeing an epidemic of opioids. People are coming into our Teen Challenge centers hooked and strung out on meth. And we're thinking, are those the drug addicts and the prostitutes and the unsaved? No, they're believers. At any given time, listen, Christian, at any given time, there's over 5,000 students in Teen Challenge nationally. There's over 250 Teen Challenge centers, 250 centers nationwide in our men's and women's and adolescent centers. And we're finding out more and more in the last couple of years when they do studies and surveys, we're finding over 50% of the student body in Teen Challenge at any given time in the last couple of years are Christians. They've fallen. Thank God for that verse that says, though a righteous person falls, they get back up. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. God doesn't condemn us. We stumble. But the thing is, we're seeing more and more believers falling. Falling in with what's going on in the world. We're seeing a lot of prescription drug abuse. Many Christians who love the Lord become addicted to prescription drugs. We're seeing it in our centers. I see it. And many of them are Christians who love the Lord, but they've, got, they've gotten caught up with the thing, trusting in the medication. There's nothing wrong with medications if it's used correctly. You see, everyone wants to be happy. We make chasing that elusive ideal a lifelong pursuit. Spending money, collecting things, 
and searching for new experiences, trying a little drug here, a little alcohol there. And next thing you know, our conduct no longer resembles that of a faithful believer, follower of Christ, but someone who has compromised because sin comes in, right? Sin comes in. It compromises. It woos us. You see, there's a passage. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. It's real interesting. Remember they had left Egypt? They were on the road. They, they were leaving Egypt. Follow, follow me in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. He says, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. Wow. Remember they had left Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. The devil and the world we live in and the unsaved have no fear of God. They don't care whether you say you're a Christian or not. It's biblical. And we see an example right here. When they were leaving Egypt, they were being cut off. They were being cut off. There's the main group and the ones that were lagging behind who were tired and weary. Christian, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We may be tired physically and all this, but spiritually we're strong. In the Lord. Amen? Look, it's right here. He says, when you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. As believers, as our conduct, we, we must be careful that we don't lag behind in our Bible study, in our relationship with the Lord, because we become comfortable. They started lagging behind, the weary and the worn out. They weren't getting the rest. They were whatever was going on, but they were being cut off. They were cut off from the main group, brother and sister. The enemy is not going to come against you. Face on, he's going to come against us back door. He'll start questioning. What does he use against us? Doubt and unbelief. He begins to cause doubt. Is God really with me? Can I really trust the Lord? Unbelief. I don't know if this is true or not. Especially for the new Christian that's new. For you and I as mature believers, we see a new Christian in the church. Get him. Get him involved in the men's Bible studies. I was looking outside at all the stuff the church has to offer. There's so much for a believer, for you and I as mature believers to help the younger ones in the Lord. Remember in John chapter 13. Go with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I was here Sunday when Pastor Charlie was talking. Man, preaching and sharing the word. It was awesome. But here it is in John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
his conduct. He demonstrated his love to them. Look at verse 5. We're going to skip. There's three points I want to show right here. After, after that, he had taken off his outer garments. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He demonstrated his conduct. His conduct, was, his conduct was showing them love. That's an example for you and I. It doesn't take a degree. It doesn't take a, a hundred years of Christianity to show love to someone. An act of kindness is just showing somebody, thank you for coming to church. God bless you. Can I pray with you? Look at verse 7. We'll skip Peter arguing with Jesus. Ah, Peter. Anyway, look at verse 7. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. This is the discipleship process. Amen? Remember? Mature believer, when you were a new Christian, man, you struggled with the word. And, and yeah, you loved the Lord, but man, you, you know, you were, you were struggling in your walk. Remember 1 Peter chapter 2, 1, 2, and 3, where it says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. What happens to a baby that's learning to walk? Man, they stumble, and then they fall, and, and they cry, and mama and daddy come and say, Vente, levantate, and you know? And that's how it is sometimes with a baby Christian, with a new believer. And as mature believers, we've got to be there ready to help them up if they stumble. Now I'm going to ask, amen or oh my? Amen, okay. No oh my's, all amens. But look what in verse 7 what he says. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Wow, because his conduct, he was demonstrating the love of God. To them. Now look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 of chapter 13. When he had finished washing their feet. Remember? Conduct. Demonstrating. Action. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he asked them this question. Do you understand what I've done for you? You see, there comes a time as mature believers, as Christians, in our Christian walk, the time comes when the Lord says, okay, do you finally understand what I've done for you? And that's the, thing, that's the thing that the Lord is trying to do in our lives right now. We live in a time where, where there's no time. There's no time. Remember in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers. You know how many appeals throughout the years we send out to people to, to, who want to come and serve at Teen Challenge? And sometimes in our churches, gosh, it's hard. Because sometimes we don't want to take the time to work with somebody who's struggling. Brother and sister, I'm not trying to offend anybody here. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to get up and, and, and get involved, then do so. Obey him. Remember, to obey is better than sacrifice. Amen or oh my. Let me stop there. But look what he goes on to say. Look at verse 17 of John 13. Look at verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Gosh, that's the discipleship process. Remember Philippians 1? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and, uh, 1, 2 and 3. And then we jump to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, 2 and 3. Remember when Paul now is instructing 
His young protege, what does he say? Entrust to reliable men. Let's go there. Second Timothy. We're talking about conduct. Remember what Paul was talking to the Philippian church? Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we're talking about. Conducting ourselves as believers in, 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 in the face of a world that's so ugly and contrary. We show the world that we're different. Not because we're trying to show off. But we show them because, remember, they will know you're my disciples by your love. They will know you're my disciples by your love. Oh, gosh. Remember that song we used to sing years ago? Okay. Second Timothy. Please bear with me while I find it. You're probably already there. Second Timothy. Chapter T. Chapter 2. Remember, this is Paul talking to Timothy. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Wow. Conduct. Being strong. Not with people, but being strong in your faith and why and who you believe in. Being strong in the grace of God. What is grace? God giving us his strength to live the Christian life. He says to Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say. Oh, oh, that sounds like John 13, doesn't it? And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust. There's that word, discipleship. Entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. You know who qualifies? God qualifies those whom he calls. And guess what? You and I are all called. I am? Yes. Father, you're a dad, you're a father, you're qualified. God qualifies you to raise your son and your daughter. Mother, you're qualified. God qualifies you through the word to be a godly mother and influence to your children. So we're all called. We're, God qualifies those whom he calls. But do we walk in obedience to him? Do we listen and are we hearing? He goes on to say, in verse 3, Endure hardship with us. There's a word that, wait a minute. He said that? Let me look at this again. Hardship. You mean, hey, I thought Christianity Christianity was about no more problems. You come to Jesus and all your problems are solved. What do you mean hardship? Amen. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here. But sometimes new people come to the Lord because they're struggling. They're, in, they're going through hardships and they come to the Lord. And you and I as mature believers need to come alongside them and say, Hey, God saved you, but it doesn't mean that everything's gone away. There's going to be a process. Teen challenge is a process. Salvation is one thing, but the Christian life is a process. Sanctification is a process. That God does as we study and as we yield ourselves to the Lord. Amen. Salvation, heaven is home. But now the lifestyle, how do we conduct ourselves in this thinking world as a follower of Jesus Christ? Amen, brother and sister. That's the challenge for you and I today. That's what the Lord is challenging us. Are we ready? Are people are we ready? Are we ready to show what it's like to be a Christian to the world? To our children, to one another. Look what he says. Endure hardship with us. Like a what? A good soldier of Christ Jesus? Wait a minute. That sounds pretty radical. I thought we were passive, you know. Wait a minute. 
like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, to be a soldier, you've you got to go to basic training, and you're prepared. You've got to be prepared for war. That's what in the army. But look what, look what Paul is telling Timothy. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Man, someone who's not going to run when the battle's going. He, he, my mother's called me. Yate viro. When the battle gets, in other words, as a husband, as a man of God, don't run. Don't abandon your wife and kids. I'm praying. Help me pray that we can get Teen Challenge, the men's Teen Challenge, up and going again. Man, there's a lot of guys I want to talk to. Amen. Are you all with me? Pray that the Teen Challenge men's discipleship can open again. I want to disciple men to be men of God who fight for their families, not fight with their families, but fight for their families. You know how? Mira. Father, I pray for my wife and my children on his knees and not with his hands for women in our Teen Challenge discipleship. This is a verse we share with them in, in, in uh, Proverbs 14.1. A, a woman with her own hands builds her house, but even with her own hands can destroy it. Conduct. That's why, that's why Paul was saying, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was sharing today in staff training. We went to a retreat with Teen Challenge, with Teen Challenge of Texas. There was over 300 and something students. And it was a privilege for us to be with them. They're, they have over 10 centers, and it was awesome. But something that caught my attention, and, and gosh, I'm praying. Please help me pray that we can get our men's teen challenge up and going again. And you're saying, well, what do you need, Albert? Well, pray that maybe some person, we're looking at altogether about maybe $5,000 a month. A building. See, we rent from Grandview Baptist Church. I'm not looking for land. I'm not looking for a brand new building. I just want a place that can accommodate what God is wanting to do. We, we're wise and good stewards. Daniel can attest to that. We're careful with what the Lord places in our care. So I'm not looking to get into debt. Into debt. Just some place where we can have men come in and get discipled. Because when we were there last year, and last October, at this retreat, Teen Challenge, Channel View, Texas, is a women and children teen challenge. Women with children. And I saw about 20-something women with about, my, with about 50, 60 kids. Little babies and stuff. And they were struggling. The babies crying and everything and all. And then I saw over here all the teen challenge guys. Man, lifting weights and, and push-ups and bodybuilders and flexing their muscles and being bullies with one another and all that. And I said, man, what's wrong with the picture? Here the moms are being mothers, taking care of their kids, and they're crying and all this. And here these guys over here, like, they're single. And I said, Lord, Lord, I want to teach men. I'm not talking about you. Please, don't misunderstand. But I want to teach men that you're reaching. And, and, and help us to disciple men to be men of God and not to run, but to be the husband that you want them to be. Who fight for their, for their families on their knees. Not fight with their families with their hands. We see too much of that. We see women who come into Teen Challenge afraid of being around men. Because they've been abused. That's what the world is out there. And if we've been protected in a bubble, we need to get out of our bubble. We need to get out there and share the love of Jesus. 
Amen. 25 years we've been doing this, me and my wife. And we struggle. She knows my heart. It ain't over till it's over, till the Lord calls us home. Don't sit down and get so comfortable that when the Lord tells you to get up, you, you struggle with getting up. Tim, Paul told Timothy to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's a man of God. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know what? Even a glass of water, a simple act of love and kindness. And what did Jesus say? Whatever you done, whatever you did unto the least of these, you've done unto me, says the Lord. You see, in contrast to happiness, everyone wants to be happy. We make chasing that elusive, elusive ideal a lifelong pursuit. Spending money, collecting things, and searching for new experiences. And that's okay. But if happiness depends on our circumstances, what happens when the toys rust? What happens when loved ones die? What happens when our health deteriorates? What happens when money is stolen and gone? And what's next when the party's over? You remember when the Latinos used to sing that song? What next when the party's over? Often happiness flees and despair sets in. That happens to the world, but as Christians, if we're not careful, that can happen to you and I if we're not focused on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? As mature believers, let's not get, let's not get caught off guard. Be focused on the Lord. Be ready to serve when the Lord speaks to you through your pastor who says, I need help with this. And I heard on Sunday about the, uh, about the VBS. There's mature believers. Now remember, God doesn't want to make anybody do anything. Uh-uh. God won't make us do anything. But you know what? When we obey the Lord, man, there's such a joy. Because you know what it costs? Time, effort, finances, our leisure time. In contrast to happiness stands joy. Running deeper and stronger, joy is the quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives. That he will be there no matter what. Isn't that interesting? Look what it says here. To the worldly, happiness depends on happenings. But to the Christian, joy depends on Christ. What a contrast. As believers, we have this profound contentment, serenity, and peace no matter what happens. Amen? Mature believer, raise your hand if you believe it. Right? We've been, you've been a Christian for all these years, and that's part of the blessing. That's part of our relationship with the Lord. But we've got to remember that there's new Christians getting saved that don't know this yet, and they need our help. They need your help to help them and instruct them. That's why we have the Teen Challenge Discipleship Centers. And I'm praying that we can get our men's teen challenge up and going. To do the same for men. Because the world has lied to us. The world and sin has lied to men. Amen? The world has robbed man of his manhood. 
Yes. God called us to be men. Men of God who are not going to fight. When the troubles come, the fire and the, and, and the darts of the enemy hit us as men first instead of our wives and kids. Amen? Because God created us men pressure packed from the ground. Remember, God created man he got, from the dust of the ground. He pressure packed man so that you and I as men can withstand the pressures of life instead of it coming against our wives because we ran. Because as men, we ran. I'm a man. I'm going to go party. Hey, dummy, sit down and take care of your wife. Be a man. Get your Bible and read and pray. <laughs> wow. But see, in our teen challenge centers, when we get men coming in, they're being robbed of their manhood. They're becoming passive, and they run. They don't know how to stand. They don't have no background, a, a backbone. And this is where discipleship comes in. We train the men. That's why I pray. I want to talk to these guys. I remember at Teen Challenge, I would have these, you know, I'm in West Texas, right? In West Texas, man, there's these tall guys with cowboy hats and boots. And, man, they're about 6'8 and something. And, and I don't know, for some reason, they always came and picked on me. <laughs> Because they were like this. And hey, God loves you. As, as believers, we have this joy in us. Even in hardship, joy does not come from outward circumstances, but from inward strength. And where does our strength come? From the Lord. As Christians, we must not rely on what we have or what we experience to give us joy, but on Christ being with us. Amen. Now, I know many of us, if not all of us, already know this, but sometimes we need to be refreshed. Sometimes we need to be reminded so that we don't forget. So when there's a trial or a tribulation comes our way, we're not going to be caught off guard. What is conduct? One of the definitions of conduct can be defined as behavior, a set of principles a person lives their life by. Biblical or sinful, some Christians try to blend the two of them together and pierce themselves with sorrows. Amen? A Christian's conduct should be governed by the Word of God. Biblical principles and not by acceptable and secular laws that dictates what is and should be acceptable. What a person believes influences their conduct. Amen? Look what this says. What a person believes influences their conduct. We must ask ourselves a very important question as Christians. Where does my belief system come from? Is it from the Word of God? If it is, do we know it well enough not to compromise it when we're challenged? Man. In the book of Israel, look at the book of Israel, chapter 7. And when I say Israel, it's E-Z-R-A. Because many times people say, the book of Israel? What Israel? There's no Israel. No, Isra. Okay. The book of Israel, E-Z-R-A, chapter 7, verse 10. Are y'all with me, brother and sister? When we go home tonight, 
we get ready for bed and, or we watch the news and we see everything we see on TV, the politics and all this stuff going on and, and all these things. Don't get shook up. It's just a reminder that, man, we live in a, in a time where, man, we need Jesus. We as believers, we have Jesus, but the world we live in, our nation needs Jesus. And who's going to show them Jesus? Remember, who was it? Whom shall I send? What did that guy send? Ooh, 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 send me, Lord. Can you and I be like that person when, when, the, when the God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there are conversations and they say, whom shall I send? Can you and I say, send me, O Lord. What time do we stop at? 8 o'clock or at 8.30? Okay. The book of Israel, chapter 7, verse 10. This is talking about what, what develops our conduct, what develops our belief system. Amen? The schools are good right now about teaching. And, man, there's a, it's a struggle. My son who graduated from UTEP, one day he came and, man, he was shaking. And he was crying and he was shaking. He was, man, what happened? What happened, Matt? What's going on? His, one of his instructors was challenging his Christianity. Man, they're not afraid to challenge our children. Uh, uh, they're not a, the world is not, an unsafe person is not ashamed to challenge us. We should not be ashamed to speak up when needed. Israel, chapter 7, verse 10. Remember, uh, God used this scribe. God used Israel in a tremendous way. If you read the book of Israel, Nehemiah, do you see how God used this man tremendously? You don't read about him committing adultery. You don't read about him stealing money. You don't read about him doing something wrong. He, he did everything right before God. But why? He's a good example of a godly man. His conduct was, man, solid. His life was solid. But what was it that he did? Look at verse 10. For Israel had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Four things, if you're taking notes, very important to develop godly conduct, to develop in our, uh, to, to mold in our Christian life. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we stop. That's just the beginning. He did four things. Number one, he was devoted. He was devoted to God. Devotion means commitment. He's committed. Devotion. When I got saved, I was, I used to be strung out and all, I was committed to an ugly, sinful lifestyle. I didn't believe in God. I was an atheist. Man, my life was a wreck. And when I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I turned it around with that same passion and desire that I had to live a sinful life. I turned it around to live a godly life. When I'd, get, when I'd get beat up because I thought I was bad in the streets when I was unsafe, I was always getting beat up. <laughs> I didn't quit. I still got beat up more. But you know what? When I got saved, I didn't quit when the enemy hit me. I didn't quit because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. And for you and I as believers... As mature believers, we know what it's cost us. It's been years, and it's been consistently walking with the Lord. But we got to continue. We can't quit. Until the Lord calls us home, we're always learning. We're always learning till the day the Lord calls us home. Because if we think we've already arrived, 
Oh, man, pride goes before a downfall. Number one, he was devoted. Number two, he studied. He studied. He wanted to learn more about whom he was devoted to. He studied. He began to study. He, he started reading the books of the law. He started reading all this, and, and he was learning because he, he was committed. He, he, he was devoted to God. And so he began to study who he was devoted to. Right? For some of us men who have jobs, some of us who have, own your own business, man, it takes commitment, right? It takes hard work. So he was devoted. Then he began to study. And the third thing he did was he began to apply what he was learning. He applied to his life what he read and learned. It affected his conduct. What he was reading from the word of God affected his conduct. How he behaved and all. And because of that, number four, the last thing he did, he began to share. He taught others what he was learning and applying to his life. Man. He began to share. But you know what? If there's no devotion, X out number two, three, and four. If we're not devoted or committed to something, if we're not committed, we're not going to study. We're not going to apply it, much less share it with others. Right? Amen. Because he was committed. He was devoted to God. He began to learn of God. And that's what we're doing. That's what's been happening to us. But now comes the time when the Lord is saying to you and I, okay, what are you going to do with what you have? What are you going to do with it? Remember the parable of the talents? He gave everybody something. And some of them worked in it. They planted it. They invested it. And the other one hid it. So you and I have been given a talent. You and I have been blessed. What are we going to do with the blessings of God? Are we going to bless others? Are we going to be a blessing to others? What is the saying? Man, Christianity would be awesome if it wasn't for Christians. <laughs> I, I love to go to church, my man, but there's too many Christians there. You know what? Nah. -uh. In churches where we gather as believers to help one another, pray for each other. And when we see someone who's new coming in, that we help them, that we pray with them, and encourage them to walk with the Lord. That's what a mature believer does. These four things, devotedness, study of the word, the application of the word, and the sharing of the word with others, these four things affect our conduct and our behavior, how we live, how we talk, and how we treat others. The world we live in, and the list goes on. All these things. But we got to stand firm in one spirit. we got to stand firm. I'm going to finish up here. We stand firm in one spirit. A group of believers conducting themselves according to biblical standards, regardless of what the world and society declares. We stand firm, not easily swayed. What does it mean, firm? That we're not easily swayed or moved from our position because one is grounded in what one believes is right or wrong. Remember? Remember the parable of the builders, of the two builders, one who built his house on the rock and the other one on sand? And then when the storms of life came, who was it that stood the storms of life? The one who built his house on the rock. And who is our rock? Jesus is our rock. So when the, the storms of life come, 
We're not going to run. We stand. And those who are struggling, we say, no, no, no corras, vente. Let me pray with you. Don't run. Come on. Let's pray. I'll help you. Come on. But I don't know. But come on. I'll pray with you. Right? Amen and amen. You and I as mature believers, that's how the Lord wants to use you and I. For new Christians who may be struggling, we come alongside them and encourage them. Who could that be? Our spouse? Our children? Grandkids? In-laws? Whoever the Lord brings along our path. In the midst of the storms, we stand strong. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hebrews 6, 19. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus is our anchor. Verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus went before us. Amen. Jesus is our anchor. Man, even when we're struggling and we're going through a storm, he's our anchor. And we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you, the Lord will not give us something we can't handle. As long as we remember that, that whatever we go through, God will see us through. We just got to stand. I'm going to finish. Without being frightened by those who oppose you. Remember? Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. That one statement where he says, Without being frightened by those who oppose you. The world will come against us. The world, the devil, will come against us. But we stand firm as one. If we're struggling, we pray together. There's nothing wrong with coming forward to pray and if someone is up here that's where maybe the Lord wants to use you to come alongside a fellow believer who's up front and to pray with them and say brother I'm here with you sister I'm here with you the fellowship of the brethren and in conclusion may we share Paul's aspiration and seek to know Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior more and more and let us continue to diligently keep finding our joy in Christ Jesus. Remember in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, where he says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the midst of the things that we see going on in our world, that people who are struggling and afraid, it's out there, you see it. And when they come and say, How come you're not afraid? How come you're not complaining? Can I? And this is when we tell them, you got a minute? Let me share with you about someone who helps me through all this. I'm going to ask my sister to come up who's going to play. If not, let's do this. Psalm 37, verse 1. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evil men. Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. And like green plants, they will soon die away. So for you and I, it's not a time to be frightened. And don't, don't be intimidated. Look what Psalm 37 verse 1 says. Do not fret because of evil. 
Don't get riled up. Don't get angry. Remember the word of God says, be angry and sin not. It's okay to get upset, but don't allow it to cause you to sin. We pray. Pray for revival in our nation. Pray for personal revival. Pray for revival in your life. And pray for those who are lost in sin. Forgive those who sin against you because love conquers and love covers over a multitude of sins. Amen. Let's bow our heads. As our sister plays and leads us in a song, this message, this message, this study was not to, meant to stir us to get upset or angry. It was meant to alert us. It was meant to get our attention to, hey, nothing, nothing surprises the Lord. God's not caught unawares by what's going on. And so for you and I as believers, not to get shaken, but we see what we see going on around us, but that much more to be strengthened, to be resolved, to continue walking and serving the Lord, that we're going to pray for our fellow believers for one another. So I'm going to ask, as with every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe there's someone here who's a guest, as our sister plays. Maybe there's someone here. Maybe you're here for the first time or you've been here before, and, and maybe you haven't taken that step of faith to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and it is with your mouth that you confess. And if you're here and you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and you want to confess him as Lord and Savior, raise your hand right there where you're at. Right there where you're at. Thank you, ma'am. God sees that on your hand. That boldness, God sees that. And he boldly comes to you. Because you were not afraid to raise your hand. God comes to you. And I'm going to ask us, fellow believers, remember, when we come forward, it's not acknowledging that we sinned. No, 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 no. When we come forward, it's just to acknowledge, Lord, thank you. You come forward because you want to thank the Lord, or you come forward because you want to ask the Lord to give you strength in some things. That's all. So I'm going to open up the front right here. And as our sister sings and plays, if you want to come forward and pray and, and ask the Lord for strength, the front is open. And if you're here forward, and maybe one of you is out there, you want to come and pray with a fellow brother or sister, please do so. This is family time. In other words, this is family time. Let's all come before the Lord and rejoice and pray together. <laughs>